So tonight I wanted to do a little summary of all the little tools and tricks and things we've been talking about for the last few weeks about insight meditation and Vipassana. So we could all get back on the same page with the various ways that we can establish our first foundation of mindfulness, which is our body. Oh, and let me, while I've got it, read these two sentences, because this is basically what we've been talking about for several weeks. For the last few weeks, we've really been talking about these two instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta that describe classic Vipassana or insight meditation. The first sentence was, breathing in long, he knows I breathe in long. Breathing out long, he knows I breathe out long. Very complex. Mm -hmm. And then another statement, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. Those two little sentences, a couple thousand years old, those two sentences. And we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now, and we can continue talking about them for quite a few years if we choose to do so. So I want to talk about these two sentences in light of all of the little techniques we've been talking about so we can put them all together into a cohesive practice before we move on to the third sentence, which has to do with concentration and the jhanas. I thought I would just give a little refresher on some suggestions about what to do before we start meditating, because there are a few things that you can do before you get started in meditation. If you've heard me teach on Sundays when I fill in for Robert and do those big guided meditations, I often talk about these things um, when I do these big formal sits. So I wanted to bring them together because we haven't really talked about them. We've just gone straight into body scanning and breath energy and that kind of stuff. Um, so I wanted to just remind us of some of the things to do when we get started in meditation because the way we orient ourselves to practice is really important. Those first three minutes when we sit on the cushion can change your entire sit depending on what you're doing when you sit down um, to be aware. So most of us know that we, we do this practice called gladdening the mind or gladdening the heart when we sit down uh, to meditate often. And there's three versions of it. One is loving kindness practice. Another is gratitude practice. And a third one is to remind us or to get back in touch with our purpose for practice, our goal of happiness and long-term well-being. So there's three different ways we can sit down on the cushion and orient ourselves to what we're about to do. Gratitude practice would be prior to sitting, you want to call to your heart and mind something or someone that has positive meaning for you in your life, something that's going well, something that you're grateful for. It could be a person, it could be an event, it could be a pet, it could be anything, someone in your life that makes you smile. The idea is to just gladden the heart, to sit down and orient ourselves toward a sense of peace and calm and well-being. So this gratitude practice is calling somebody to, to your mind and to your heart that's meaningful to you, someone who's listened, someone who's cared. Um, and it could be anything. You have your own folks in life, things and circumstances that are happening to you that might bring a little joy. And that's where we start because that is a significant part of the practice is learning to cultivate joy. So we gladden the mind in that way. Another one is loving kindness. We can wish, wish ourselves well. We can wish others well. We can make wishes of all kinds of things. May all beings be happy. May all beings feel safe and secure. May all beings feel loved. May I feel loved. May I feel safe. 
May all beings be free from suffering. We can take 10 seconds to just offer a few positive reflections on wishes for other people and ourselves. And you can see when you, when you, when you think this through, to sit and offer gratitude and to sit and offer loving kindness for a few moments is going to change your attitude when you begin to be aware of breathing. We've now oriented ourselves towards the goal of the path, which is compassion and wisdom and freedom from suffering. So in that very first couple seconds, we remind ourselves why we're sitting here doing the practice. And the third one is grounding ourselves in the goal, which just, you can do it in a couple different ways. You can just remind yourselves that we practice for our own freedom and the freedom of others. That we sit in meditation ultimately to free ourselves from suffering so that every person we come in contact with can experience the effect of that transformation. So that's our big goal. Our big goal is freedom from suffering. But you also might want to take a moment and ask yourself, where in my life am I experiencing some discomfort and some distress? Where can I bring some self-love? Why am I actually sitting down here on this meditation cushion in this moment? What is my intention? Where can I use some care and compassion, some self-care really? So it's good to reflect on that when you sit down to meditate. Now, depending on how long you sit, any one of these practices can be done for quite a few minutes. You could take 10 minutes and do any one of these. You can do each one for a minute or two if something is calling to your heart. There's no real routine around it as far as this is the right way to practice. These are just suggestions on how to orient yourself when you're sitting. The benefit of doing this, as I said, is to remind the mind why we're here. And it really gives you that emotional uplift before you get into practice. It also allows us to transition from the day into the sit. Because oftentimes when we sit, we're coming at 80 miles an hour from our day. We've got work, we have kids and families and school and pets and mortgages and climate change and politics and a bunch of other things on our heart when we sit and close our eyes to meditate. So it can be helpful to make a sort of dividing line I'm going to meditate now, and you ritualize this beginning of your practice. And you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about continuity cues, cueing the mind to be mindful. If you do your meditation and you have a little ritual before you start like this, it reminds the mind, okay, I'm moving from the stress of the day into another space, a space of comfort and a space of ease and a space of practice. So you create a sacred space and you cross this threshold by doing gratitude or compassion or reminding yourself of your purpose in practice. And if you do it routinely, you will find that the mind, as soon as you begin one of these practices, it's like, oh, it's meditation time. Here we go. And it cues the mind to get ready for practice. So I would definitely encourage you to create a ritual. If it's not this, it could be lighting a candle. It could be some type of prayer. It could be anything that you do to ritualize your, your entry into practice. But sometimes if we just sit and say, okay, I'm going to be mindful of breathing, the first thing that happens is the rush of the energy of the day is way present in our consciousness, and it, it's hard to make that transition. So this is just allowing you to cross this threshold into a different sacred space, if you will, for our practice. And the second thing I encourage folks to do is to take a quick, sort of like cockpit check. All systems check, okay? So we're going to do a little check, right? Your emotions are now geared towards empathy and self-care, so that's okay. Oftentimes when we sit, we forget that our bodies have been carrying us through the whole day if we're sitting in the afternoon or evening, right? And if we're sitting in the morning and we're getting out of bed, we're still not flexible, right? We've been laying in bed. So 
it's very easy to start in meditation and not pay attention to your posture or your breathing or how you're sitting. And you just kind of like, oh, I'm ready to go. And then you start doing mindfulness and you don't realize that your ankle is slightly twisted or you're not sitting up straight or there's a crookedness to something. Um, so it helps when you start your practice to do a minute of check-in to make sure we have all systems go before we start getting into the actual practice. And there's several that I've come, that I do routinely, um, that I've come up with as a list over the years. And this is what I, I would encourage you to, to at least consider. Um, first thing, if you're sitting on a, cu a cushion, make sure that your hips are angled and that you're not sitting flat, right? Because it puts too much pressure on the ankles and your feet fall asleep or your legs fall asleep quite quickly. So just give yourself Make sure that there's an angle there. It's easy to not push up your cushion if you rush into your sit and not have the angle there. Very simple, but it can change your whole 10, 15, 20 minutes if you just have that slight angle of your hips being higher than your knees. Uh, if you're sitting in a chair, you might experiment some time with putting a cushion under your feet because the chair height isn't always comfortable for your back and your knees and your ankles. So you'll notice that some people will put a blanket or a cushion. If you've never tried that, give it a try and see how your back and your knees are affected by just putting a cushion under your, under your feet, even in a chair position. Straight spine. This is sort of common knowledge in meditation, but it's not necessarily common practice. Sometimes when we sit down, we think we're our back is straight, but because we do this all the time, because we're always doing this on our phones, we don't always remember how to get back upright. And if, if evolution is something we take into account, it's like millions of years trying to get upright and now we're like this and we're hunched over the phone. So when we sit down, remember to get your back into an upright position. And one thing that you can do, it can be very helpful, is take your shoulders up and roll them back and you'll find that suddenly the chest feels slightly more expanded and the spine rests a little more cushed between the vertebrae. So if you don't do that, oftentimes you're going in slightly hunched to your meditation and gravity is pushing down from the top. So just make sure that you are in fact upright when you check in with yourself. Um, it's easy not to do that. And the last one that I like to do, one of my early teachers when I was trying to practice Zen, uh, is to make sure you're centered. So what you can do for centering is you can lean forward a little and lean back and then lean to the side like this. And then you can kind of rotate around sort of like a pendulum and make sure that your body is in fact centered because it's easy to start your posture off slightly leaning because you might be overcompensating because there's a muscle tension or a pain or a hip or back or something that's going on. So this is just a bodily check-in. And again, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, it's not a huge practice. But if you do this routinely, Again, it cues the mind like, okay, we're doing something different here. We're about to go into meditation. Let's be upright. Let's relax our shoulders. Let's open our chest and make sure that we're balanced and ready to go in attitude and in posture. Very simple, but we forget to do this kind of stuff. And the longer you sit, the reason that asanas, right, our yoga postures <laughs> were primarily used was so people could become flexible so they could sit for longer periods of time in meditation. So it's really important to check in with the body because as you sit and get comfortable with longer sits, if you start off crooked, five minutes, you might not notice that crookedness, but 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 
you're going to notice that somewhere in your body. And it's an extra hindrance that you don't need to deal with if you just take care of it before you take off the runway. So just keep that in mind. I found these little techniques to be really helpful for my own practice. I just sort of ritualize them, so I just kind of do it when I, when I get started. So we're ready to sit. I want to go over to the three tools that we've been talking about over the last three weeks and explain kind of how they're interconnected. Someone here a couple weeks ago had mentioned that the, the teachings look at times like they're progressive, like one technique falls into a second technique, which then falls into a third technique. That can be true. You can, you can create an order for yourself that's progressive, and that's perfectly fine. And it might turn out that the medicine you need on any given day might be different, and you might switch the order of particular practices. So I'm going to give you these three. We've already talked about them, but I'm going to sort of put them in a particular order. Then I'm going to explain how to combine them. And then your experiment with yourself on how this might work for you. We talked about the first instruction of being with breathing in its most simple manifestation. Breathing in, breathing out. The breath can be long or short, can be shallow or deep, can be expansive or contracted. It could be easy or it can be a little stuttered. The first thing the Buddha asks us to do is just be aware of how does our breath feel in this moment. So we bring our awareness either to the spot above the upper lip where the air is coming in and out. We can bring awareness inside the nose too. Sometimes it's easier to feel the air and the sensations there or the abdomen and the chest. And this is just sort of classic meditation. We bring our awareness to these spots and we just invite awareness to be with whatever the breath offers from moment to moment, right? We just, okay, my breath here. Oh, there's a short breath. Oh, that one's a little longer. Okay, that one's a little cooler, a little warmer. We just be present with the sensation of breathing. Sometimes when we sit down to do that, we do that for about a half minute, and then we're dreaming of something else. Mm -hmm. The workday, the latte, music is in our head, conversations are in our head. I had multiple sits this week where I... Set the inside timer, I pressed the inside timer, and I swear like a whole hour went by and I was like, well, I didn't meditate. Okay, time to get ready for work. I just couldn't get my mind in it. It was like, it just, I was gone. I was like thinking and daydreaming and sleeping and it was just, nothing was really happening. And I, wise effort was not present. Mindfulness was not really present. And it was just like, well, Okay. I went to bed and slept, and then I sat on the cushion for that amount of time. But there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes you're just not going to be able to find your breath. It doesn't matter how many years of practice you have. Some days it just ain't going to happen. So there's a few things you can do to find that breath. You can breathe more intentionally. Oftentimes when we learn meditation, we learn meditation through the perspective of mindfulness meditation where the primary goal is equanimity, where we just watch the breath and we don't do anything. But Vipassana practice is that plus. It's that plus doing stuff. So one of the things we can do is to intentionally breathe a little more in... <laughs> we can breathe more intentionally in our in and out breath. And when we do that, it's easier to feel the sensations. Now, you might also consider placing your hand on your belly for a few breaths if it's very difficult to find the motion because you'll be able to feel the rising and contracting with your hands. That's also helpful. So what you can do is you can breathe in three or four intentional breaths, breathe out three and four intentional breaths, and then return to an equanimous mindset where you just, okay, what is, what's going on with my breathing? 
Let it breathe naturally. You may have to do that for your entire sit if concentration is just not happening for you. You just got to breathe more intentionally. Perfectly good practice. There's nothing wrong with practicing in that way. Another thing you can do is add what we call a verbal fabrication, otherwise known as self-talk, <laughs> which simply means we count the breaths. We could go one, two, in-breath one, out-breath two, or one for the in and the out-breath. You can count. If you're going to do counting, count to five or ten, but don't just keep counting because you want to have an end point to it to keep the concentration. So one to five and then five to one or one to ten and back down. But you don't just want to count to 100 because you're just going to get lost. Mm -hmm. So you want to have an end point to your counting because it keeps the mind concentrated. Counting mantras are good. At some point, we'll do a whole evening of mantra practice. Mantra just means you add a sound or a phrase while you're doing your breathing to keep the mind. You can say, may all beings be happy on the in-breath. May all beings be free on the out-breath. Any type of aphorism that can help keep your breathing steady and secure. Any of those, perfect practice. So that's one way of getting our first foundation of mindfulness going with the breathing, is just to be aware at those two spots with some in and out breathing, maybe some counting or other things that we use to support the practice. Then there's this other part of foundation of mindfulness. Now, remember that when we're talking about breathing, that we're not only talking about the sensations of breathing, but we're talking about the physical sensations on the body that result from the breathing process, the energy that we feel in the body moment to moment from being alive. On every spot of the body, there is living sensations, energetic sensations. Now in this next technique, we're not worried as much about the breath on the chest and the nose. We're taking awareness into the body for the sensations that are being created by breathing. We call those body sensations or breath energy. If you haven't heard the talk on that, it's online now on Podbean, so you can listen to that guided meditation. So we call this body scanning or body sweeping. So in this part of the practice, we let go of the breath proper and we go into the body. We start at the top of the head and we start to be aware of sensations, any sensations, heat or cold, prickling, tingling, pressure, just the general sense of having a head, because <laughs> we can bring awareness to that, right? So we bring our awareness to the top of the head, and it's kind of like an x-ray or an MRI. You bring your awareness, and you simply drift it down the body, the entire body, from top to bottom. Every single part of the body, awareness drifts along, kind of like pouring water and letting it drift down and pour around the entire body. So we bring awareness, and we sweep or scan through the body, and with each part of the body, we try to be aware of sensations, any sensations on any part of the body. And that becomes the object, we call object of concentration. That becomes the object of our meditation. We can go from top to bottom and bottom to top. And we can do our whole meditation can just be sweeping through the body if you want to do that and practice that. As we continue to do that, you'll find that there's variations that help your attention stay focused. So what you can do is you can try to take awareness and use multiple parts of the body simultaneously. This is also helpful because it's very entertaining and can be more entertaining than just going up and down. So if you find yourself getting bored and want to expand the skills, you can take your awareness and put it in both hands and sweep up and down both arms simultaneously. 
it's harder to do because now you're taking two parts of the body and strengthen your concentration by moving up and down. You can go from your feet up to your hips and down to your feet, both legs at the same time. You can go in your chest and your back at the same time, up and down. Now this is much more challenging, so it keeps the mind entertained and interested in the process. But the goal is still the same. We bring awareness to the body sensations, the breath energy, the physical sensations that were in the body, and you use that as your object and you move it up and down and you scan and you explore, oh, what's going on in my stomach? Let me see if I can hold my stomach and my back in awareness at the same time. Now let me see if I can move up the body in both of those directions. And so we take multiple parts of the body. You can try taking both of your feet into awareness and see if you can hold all your toes on both feet at the same time and move awareness around and see what's going on on your feet. You could do something like take one hand and one foot and see if you can get those into awareness. All of this is part of what we call body sweeping or body scanning practice. And in any given day, you might do any version of these. If you're sitting for 10 minutes, you might do 10 minutes of both arms, or you might do 10 minutes of just top to bottom and go very slowly. You can go bottom to top, and that might be your whole practice. Or if you're sitting longer, you might start doing one and then switch to the other and go back and forth. Whatever is comfortable, whatever is calling to you, whatever is interested to you at the time. All of these practices are cultivating the same meditative skills. They're just different ways of going about doing it. So you can take the breath as the physical sensation of breathing, or you can take the body sensations um, or breath energy as your object as well. Now, another version of this, which is also very helpful, we have these classic spots on the body where we can sustain attention. Now, you can technically pick any part of the body, but there's these sort of classic spots that over the centuries teachers have talked about where we can hold attention. And often it's encouraged is to find out which one of these spots really works for you, where you can really feel sensations, and use that to ground your awareness. So the classic, some of the classic spots are top of the head, top of the head, what we call third eye between eyebrows, the tongue, the throat, the back of the neck, the sternum right in the middle of the chest, the navel, and the very bottom of the spine, the very bottom of the spine. My sense is from having had numerous teachers talk about these spots is that there is something about these spots where energy is easier to observe and that's probably why they came about. My recommendation is that you on occasion just take one of those spots and just see what that's like in your meditation. Spend 10 minutes just being with that spot. So instead of being up here on the nose, you would be at the base of the spine for your meditation and just be there and hold that attention. And that's what you would do for your meditation. You'd pick a spot. Or you might say, okay, I'm going to sit for 20 minutes. I'm going to do five minutes on four different spots. I'm going to start at the top of the head and just hold it there for a while. Right? And then I'm going to move down and be with my throat for a while. And then I'm going to go and do my low spine. Some people actually move all through the spots and they cycle through those spots for their whole meditation. Again, that's a form of body scanning or body sweeping, but you're doing it with spots instead of a free flow of awareness. And what people find when you look at these different processes, you'll find that some are just easier for you out the gate. Like you'll suddenly put your awareness on the lower part of your spine, which maybe you haven't done before, and you'll find, 
oh my gosh, that is so much easier than putting my awareness at the top of my head. I don't get a lot of sensations up there. Eventually, you will have sensations everywhere and it won't matter. But in the beginning, we all have our own body types. We all have our own energy fields and the energy flow. So we got to find something that works for us and something that feels good. You'll also find on different days, <laughs> different things are going to be easier to access. It just depends on what the energy is like on the body. So having these different places to bring awareness will really liven up your practice. I know for me, when I started realizing that I could have different tools, it became much more fun and interesting. And I found my practice developed much quicker when I could do different things because I wasn't stuck doing one practice that visibly wasn't working for me or I was struggling with, say, in that week or in that month. Another aspect of the spot awareness, um, it's a little more complicated, but it can be very powerful. And over time, it can be really helpful in establishing concentration. What you end up doing is combining a couple different mental muscles, I guess is the way I would describe it. And what you would do is bring your awareness, say, to the top of your head. And then what you do is you would intentionally breathe at the spot. And as you're breathing intentionally, you're going to become aware of how the sensations change moment to moment. So this is a combination of some more intentional breathing with awareness of body. So it's a fusion of breathing, awareness, and body sensations. So now you're combining several different things. And you could do that to every spot. You could bring your awareness to your throat and do some real intentional breathing for three or four minutes and really be aware of the way the breathing changes the sensations. It's a very great skill to have to be able to see causality with breathing. You can breathe into a particular spot and just keep it there for quite a few minutes. Another thing you can do is you can add a visualization to this. One way you would add a visualization is you can imagine, and this is helpful for some folks to do it this way, imagine the awareness filling the spot. So you can look at awareness filling the spot or, or sensations arising, depending on how you want to look at. So you can get a little visualization. You always want to keep the feeling part. You want to be aware and keep the feeling. But imagine as you breathe in that awareness is saturating and nurturing and nourishing that spot of the body. So as you breathe in, imagine awareness coming in as you come in contact with the sensations. That slight visualization can really encourage concentration. It can really ground your awareness in the body. And you can do this for body sweeping as well. Some people find this to be really helpful. Let's say I wanted to sweep up, right, in the body. What I could do is I could breathe in and I could time my breathing. And as I'm breathing and sweeping my awareness from feet up to the head, I imagine awareness filling and saturating the body as it comes up. You don't stop the awareness part. You don't stop the sweeping. You're just adding a visualization which helps ground the mind in the present moment. This is another, instead of a verbal fabrication, we call this a mental fabrication. It's an added extra that we do in the sit to keep the mind interested, entertained, and grounded in the present moment. So you can imagine the breath coming in as this nurturing energy and this nurturing force. Any and all ways of doing these different types of things are perfectly perfect practice for Vipassana, especially in the beginning when we're moving stuff around and we're trying to get acquainted with sensations. No matter which version of these you're doing or how often you do them, we always keep in mind 
why we're doing any of these practices. Our bigger goal is, of course, freedom from suffering. And the Buddha talks about the fact that suffering is something that we're cultivating, we're creating. Suffering is in the doing, and that doing is taking place in the present moment. So all of these tools are helping us get established in the present moment. No matter which one you're doing, the goal is to sustain attention in the present, and these tools are designed to do that, to keep us in the present moment so we can then do further work to lessen our suffering. This is just the establishment of awareness in the present moment so we can then work on deeper layers of suffering. So whether you're sweeping up and down, whether you're on a singular spot, it's all creating concentration or what we called continuity, if you remember that talk, continuity of practice. We're trying to learn to establish awareness continuously in the present moment. All of these techniques are doing that in some way or another. You may practice one of these techniques for months on end, weeks on end, before you switch to another. One may just feel really good. Like in my practice, I've noticed that I might go several months and just do body sweeping. And then all of a sudden something changes and there's, I feel like there's a tension somewhere or some other need and I'll switch and I'll do part by part. And I might do that for a week or two or maybe just a few days or a few rounds of meditation. So these tools are things you can incorporate in for long periods of time. And you can also combine them on any given day. Some days in my sit, I will start with body scanning and I might do two rounds of body scanning and then I might just come back to breathing at the nose and I'll spend the rest of my sit just up here breathing in this part of my body. So you can decide for you what works and be curious and be creative and I would really encourage you to experiment, to really feel free to see if I do this technique after this one, what happens? Am I more concentrated? Am I less concentrated? And you get to know what works for you and that's skillful effort. Skillful effort is in part learning what works for you moment to moment in your practice. So by giving yourself permission to experiment with these kind of things, you will find that your practice will really open up and have a real spaciousness to it. The last thing I wanted to say about these, these three tools um, is where they're headed. Because I want to start moving us towards like these next steps so you can kind of see what we're, doing, what we're going to be doing next. And a lot of this will make even more sense after that. Um, If I have my awareness on my upper lip and I'm being aware of breathing and that's my whole practice for my meditation, my mind's going to wander because the hindrances will come up and I'll gently bring my awareness back to the upper lip. And then it will wander again and I'll bring it back. I might do that for 20 minutes. That's my morning practice. Every time my mind wanders and I bring it back, we are practicing the enlightenment factor of samadhi, concentration. We're practicing the enlightenment factor of mindfulness, being aware. We're also practicing the, uh, the enlightenment factor of equanimity because we're not reacting to the hindrances. We're like letting them arise. So we're doing all kinds of things just with that one little motion. But one thing to know specifically is continuity. We're trying to hold our awareness there for longer and longer periods of time. So we're established in the present moment. If I switch to body scanning, bring my awareness to the top of the head and I start to drift down, by the time I get to the nose, I'm now worried about work. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about my cat. I'm thinking about this checklist. And then I'm wondering about the gas in my car and my food and this other thing. And it's like, oh, my body scanning went from head to nose to checklist in five seconds flat. 
then you bring the mind back to the spot where you were, if you can remember. If not, you can start again or go anywhere. Sometimes you won't even remember because it's 20 minutes or five minutes of complete space, spacing out. So you bring it back. And again, mind wanders. And this time, maybe you get all the way down to your elbow and the mind wanders. And it's like, oh, where was I? Okay, I don't remember. We'll start from the sternum and we can go down here. Every time you bring your mind back, you're establishing concentration. You're returning to continuity. You're establishing mindfulness. So you see, in both of those situations, no matter what you're doing, you're establishing continuity of practice. That's the bigger point of the practice. You're learning to be aware of sensations, the body, and breathing, and how they interact. And you're using that in different ways. But the main thing you're doing is mind wanders, bring back. Mind wanders, bring back. That's the underlying thing that we're trying to do on both of those practices, no matter what the case may be. Same with the last practice. I've got both of my feet in awareness and I'm planning on coming up and imagining awareness filling the body. I get to my waist and I'm gone. Self is just out. It's like, oh, sweeping into, why did that person say that to me the other day? I can't believe they said that. That was really rude. And And then there's this whole other thing that arises, right? Anger comes up and you're on some kind of anger thing that happens. Sadness comes up and takes you out of uh, the concentration. In all of those cases, continuity is what, we're, is what we're seeking in those moments. We're trying to keep our mind in the present moment. No matter which version of those that you do, as you calm the mind, as the mind gets situated in the present moment, more and more sensations are going to be noticeable on your entire body, no matter which practice you're doing. First foundation of mindfulness is the body. No matter which one of those practices you do, as concentration increases, the body begins to light up with sensations everywhere because you're becoming clearer with mindfulness is becoming clear. They're already there. They're already there like that, except we just can't see them. So as we increase continuity, suddenly we're going to find more and more that more sensations arise on all parts of the body and come into awareness. At that point, no matter which one of those practices you're doing, there is another step in which we take those sensations and we try to connect them. And this is where we prepare ourselves to move into to jhana and other concentrations. So I just wanted to say that so as you're practicing, you know there's this other step that happens as the sensations become clear. And what it essentially means is you would do it something like this. There's a bunch of techniques, but just for example, you would bring, you, you'd start to see in your practice, okay, I'm pretty calm and I'm aware of my breath and there's quite a few sensations on the body okay, this feels very comfortable, I'm in the present moment. What you'd start to do is find a spot where you can really feel sensations and then start to connect sensations. Go from hand to arm, arm to shoulder, but keep them. You're going to keep them in awareness. And you're going to do this sort of connect the dots where you connect all the sensations in your body until your entire body is your object and you have full body awareness, otherwise known as... I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. So every breath, your whole body is now connected with sensations. So that's where this is going with these. The next step is doing things with that. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But I just wanted to throw that out there so you know that as you're practicing, no matter what you're doing, your first foundation is going to be more established and you're going to have more and more sensations in the body. And the next step is to connect them with awareness. You're going to connect them so... They all flow together in its one bubbling, tingling life energy body that's now established in awareness. First foundation is the body in awareness. And that's what we work towards. Some days 
you'll get that right away and other days it will take longer to do. Uh, one of the reasons a lot of folks like to do day-long retreats and also do week-long retreats and things like this is that if you're sitting for several days and for several hours, you can experience this full body awareness quite quickly. Three, four days into a retreat, full body awareness is... And so it doesn't seem like some magical far off. You suddenly realize, oh, I just need to have my mind quiet enough to see it. It's already there. Um, but I just want to know that's where we're headed, is this full body awareness, that third instruction. And we'll talk about how we connect those as we move on in practice. Um, So before we take a break and actually practice these things, any questions about any of that? Anything confusing or seeming weird or complicated or? Well, there's some of the areas where it was like the, uh, the ones that are easiest is the eyes, the tongue, the neck, the back of the neck. Yeah, top of the head, third eye between the eyebrows, uh-huh. uh, tongue, tongue throat, front of throat, Back of neck, right at the back, the lower part of the head where the spine connects. So sort of up in the top part, but the back. And then the sternum right here. And then navel and lower back, or the spine, basically the circle of the spine, basically the Very lower sacred. part of the spine. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. um, and I can write these out and it can email out, email out to you guys. And so then you're a center. Yes, yes, exactly, which you see in a lot of Tai Chi Chi going in yoga. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and again, my sense is, is like you'll find, I love to put my awareness on my hands. Because my hands are lit up, like almost like before I learned to meditate. It's like, oh, your hands are just kind of, you can, I can really feel my hands. So if I am really like lost in my meditation, my, my go-to is like hands and then limbs. Like I bring my awareness to my hands, then I bring them to my arms and then to my stomach. And I hold this circular sense of sensations all as one piece. And then from there, I expand up and down. It's just kind of like, and it works better for me to start in the center part. Other people... They get tons of sensations in their feet. I have a hard time visualizing how the hip bone connects into the, into the wings of the pelvic bone for, for a long time. Like I had to keep going back into With awareness? The, yeah, even feeling the socket of the bone sometimes is still sometimes it's a little foggy in there. Yeah. 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 And then you'll notice that like some vertebrates so easy. And then some of them just right at that point where you're just like, wow, where is that exactly? Yeah. You're going to have blind spots. We call them blind spots or yeah. blank areas. Yeah. 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 And all of a sudden, yeah, I have a spot on my back that for 25 yeah. years. It doesn't matter. I mean, it lights up, but it's always the last space. It's all, it's always like, oh, look, here's my back. And then nothing. There's like this, uh, the yeah. right side of my back is just so gone. Weird. Yeah. You can bring your awareness to any little part of the body and you'll find like all of a sudden it will light up if you can hold it there. Hold it there long enough with continuity it will all eventually just be oh look there's tingling where there used to be nothing i was really interesting i was on a retreat i was managing a retreat once and uh we were doing body scanning practice and the student had come to me and kept saying i can scan my entire body but i don't feel anything and i was like so you're able to scan it but you can't but you're scanning it but you can't feel it and what the person meant was that they were imagining their body being scanned like as a visualization, not adding the visualization to the visceral, like I'm imagining my body and I'm scanning an image of my body versus the actual body. So, in, in, so it's important to remember that it's real life sensations. And even when we're doing a visualization, we don't want to lose the visceralness of it. We want to feel and imagine at the same time. When we imagine the, the awareness coming in, the imagination is, the, is an intentionality 
but we feel it as it's happening and we still bring awareness in contact with sensation. So it's a combination of physical awareness, breath in some cases, and a mental fabrication. So we can do all of those at the same time, but it's not a fantasy. It's a, it's a, it's a reality. It's a real, it's a real imagining. For lack of a better word. It's not a fake fantasy. It's a real fantasy. <laughs> inside the bone marrow I definitely I start with the bone marrow inside of every little bone you know until that that bone marrow gets really white really bright inside and then I move to another bone yeah and that that what you're yeah, talking about is also just, yeah it's just another visualization tool. yeah yeah and we do that with um body part contemplation a very similar type of meditation yeah. we should do that someday that's pretty fun too yeah but very what you're talking about same thing mm -hmm. yeah, yeah same thing yeah. visualization yeah so when we say breathe into a part of the body, we're saying hold it in awareness, intentionally breathe, watching for the change in energy that happens with breathing. It's already, it's already changing with each breath, but it allows us a little bit more focus and intention. So that's all that that really is. And then if you imagine sort of breath going in, again, it's just a visualization as a, as a tool to support the mind from wandering away because it gives your mind something else to do, gives you a few different tasks to do in the moment. And so it just helps keep the mind present in it. So just hold it and breathe deep. You don't have to worry. As the mind gets quieter, you'll have a lot more flexibility in how you do that. But in the beginning, if you just think, I'm going to be aware of my hand and then breathe deeply, they'll connect more and more as you, as you get quieter. There'll be a unity that happens where breath, body, energy is indistinguishable. As the mind gets quiet and concentrated, there is no actual distinction at a certain point. Um, but in the beginning, there's all kinds of distractions and distinctions and stuff like that. So what I'd like to do is take our break. And I would like to invite you to do something, though, on your break. Is be intentional. So when we take our break, why don't you be thinking through what we talked about and making an intention of what you're going to do when we're about to sit in meditation. Decide, okay, what am I going to try? Something I haven't tried before, or I'm going to pick two or three things for our meditation. And so know ahead of time and stick with those things when you get into your practice to help with the concentration. So do that. Let's take 10. Tea is ready. Restrooms, please go out and down because Robert's in there with students. And then we'll sit.